Hello and welcome back to another episode of Rock and Roll History, the podcast where we stage dive headfirst into all the hits, misses, and often overlooked songs and stories throughout the history of rock and roll. I'm your host, Jabroni Maroney. Well, who cares? Come on, everybody. Let's go rock and roll. straight to the chase focus of today's episode takes place between november 1959 and into the early 1960s rod serling's classic american television series the twilight zone had just premiered its first original series senator john f kennedy had recently announced his candidacy for the u.s presidency and of course elvis presley had just been promoted to sergeant while he is serving out his second year in the united states army Today's episode is about a controversial term known as payola. It's November 21st, 1959, and a gentleman by the name of Mr. Alan Freed had just been fired from his job as a radio show host on WABC for accepting payola, which is basically when DJs accept payments from record companies to play specific records over the airwaves, which to be honest was quite common at the time and probably still is today. According to the Online Etymology Dictionary, Paola, uh, first used in a 1938 headline from Variety magazine, is a combination of the word pay and ola, a common suffix of product names at the time in the earliest 20th century, similar to Victrola, Rockola, Shinola, Crayola. I think you get the picture. In 1960, payola was made illegal, and in 1962, Mr. Alan Freed pleads guilty and receives two charges of commercial bribery, for which he received a fine and suspended sentence, uh, which ultimately ruins his career. But, before we move on with the payola story, I want to take you back and to help you better understand who this man, Alan Freed, really was. Albert James Alan Freed was born December 15, 1921, in a borough in Somerset, Pennsylvania, known as Wid- Widber, Winber, yeah, about 90 miles east of Pittsburgh. Uh, he's one of the earliest champions of rock and roll. In fact, some people even claim that he was the one who popularized using the slang term to describe the music he was uh, uh, playing on the radio, um, and it earned him the nickname the father of rock and roll. Quick side note. Rock and roll was originally an American euphemism used by the, the blacks as an innuendo for sex, appearing in song titles at least as far back as Trixie Smith's 1914 song, My Man Rocks Me with One Steady Roll. However, to be fair, uh, Freed was still one of the key players into the reason rock and roll so fervently swept the nation and helped bridge the segregation gap amongst American teenagers. And for that, we thank you and we are forever grateful, Mr. Freed.
So back to the story. He was born just outside Pittsburgh, and at the age of 12, his family relocated to Salem, Ohio. Uh, while attending Salem High School, he started a band called the Sultans of Swing, in which he played the trombone and was influenced by band leaders like Artie Shaw and Betty Goodman. After graduating high school in 1940, he enrolled at Ohio State University where he began to study mechanical engineering. But once he discovered the campus radio station, he just fell in love with radio and he set his sights on that instead. Now two different sources here say differing things about this point in time. One says he joined the army after the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor where he was assigned to ski patrol and then was discharged for an ear infection. And the other source says he joined the army and worked as a DJ on Armed Forces Radio. However, the biography on his official website says nothing about military service, so we'll just continue on with the story. So he starts working at various small radio stations. He did a little sports casting, but he really started to build his following when uh, he started playing like jazz and pop records. Around this time, he then moves to Cleveland to start a job on television. The TV show turns out to be a flop, but what's important about this is that this is where he befriends a man named Leo Mintz. Leo Mintz was a local record store manager of a popular record shop in the inner city of Cleveland called Record Store Rendezvous. The two became fast friends. Since Alan had just lost his job and Leo had the connections, Leo gets Alan a new gig and he's back DJing once again. One night, as Alan was filling in for one of his colleagues who was out sick, instead of sticking with the regular show program, he decides to instead uh, to play rhythm and blues records all night. Records from Chess, Modern, King, and Atlantic Records. He was fired the next day. But right after he's fired, the radio station was bombarded with phone calls and fan letters demanding more of the lively R&B that Freed was playing. He was immediately rehired. Just want to make a side note here. I only found that story on one site, so not sure how credible it is. However, the site looks pretty old and has some awesome pictures that I didn't see anywhere else. So I find that it could be at least a little bit accurate or at least it could add to the folklore. So I'll include it and I'll put it in the show notes. Shortly after Freed's radio stunt, Leo Mint starts noticing all these white kids coming in and buying up all the R&B records at his store. This is pretty much where white American kids first started getting their appetite for this far superior colored music. Radio stations back then would only play watered down, slow, lifeless cover versions of most of these songs performed by boring, safe white dudes that the middle class parents approved of. Mintz and Freed then concocted a plan. Mintz proposed to Freed that if he continues to play these R&B records over the air, he would sponsor him with the show as long as he promoted the record rendezvous store between commercial breaks. Although Freed was hesitant at first, he decides what the hell and embraces it. This is where we get the Moondog Rock and Roll Party radio show on WJW in Cleveland, O-H-I-O, Ohio. This is the point in the story where he starts using the word rock and roll. He was inspired from a record by the New York street musician Louis T. Moondog Harding. Freed then nicknames himself the King of the Moondoggers. 
Kids would tune in every night to hear their Moondog King play the lively R&B records that they couldn't hear anywhere else. Freed was an energetic host and would often leave his mic on while the songs were playing. Uh, he would sing along and howl and bang on the table and like rattle cowbells. His vibrant act would hype the kids up and their radio started to sound like a real life party, making the kids want to dance along at home. It's actually quite funny, but he was also sponsored by a beer company and he would throw in these frequent beer ads, uh, even though his audience was pr predominantly teenagers. It's really poor quality here, but uh, take a quick listen. It's a full 25-minute clip, which, despite the quality, is a pretty fun listen. I'll leave that in the show notes on the website. His show's popularity continued to grow and grow, and which then gave Alan the idea to organize concerts. One concert that he would call the Moondog Coronation Ball was held in March of 1952 at the biggest venue in town, the Cleveland Arena. Today, this show is recognized as the first rock concert ever. 25,000 fans turned up to the arena, but the capacity was only 10,000. Before the show even really got started, the crowd started busting down the gates trying to get in, and then the police just had to shut the whole event down. The first rock and roll concert of all time was a bust. The next day on his show, Freed with the station threatening to cancel his show if he doesn't fix the disastrous PR from the events, uh, he goes on air and makes an apology to his fans. Hello, everybody. This is Alan Freed speaking. And, friends, I want to have a little talk with you before we begin our regular Moondog show tonight about the horrible disappointment of many thousands of folks who tried to attend our coronation ball at the Cleveland Arena last night. And believe me, I come to you very humbly and with deep regret in my heart because of the great disappointment that thousands of you who've been my friends suffered last night. And believe me, I want to say that I suffered right with you. If anyone, even in their wildest imagination, had told us that some 20 or 25,000 people would try to get into a dance, well, I suppose you would have been just like me. You probably would have laughed and said they were crazy. Now, 
This is entirely up to you. I know a great many of you are sitting on the fence ready to jump off on either side. And if you wish to lay the blame on me for what happened last night, you're certainly perfectly willing to do so. But the story I'm telling you tonight is the true story. Now, as everyone who was inside for the first hour of the dance will testify, we were having a real great time until the crushing pressure of some 10,000 people still outside smashed open the doors of the arena and converged on the inside. When that happened, and some 7,000 persons without tickets bulged the insides of the arena, the whole show went out of control. Now, friends, that's the story, and that's the truth. Now, I'd like to have you do this for me tonight when you call in your request to our Moondog show on this Saturday night. I would like to have you tell Dean on the telephone when you call in that you are with the Moondog. And if you're not with the Moondog, you can tell Dean that too. Because if enough of you can show faith tonight through your telephone calls, through your telegrams, through your cards and letters over the weekend to tell us that you're sticking with the Moondog through thick and thin, that it'll be worth your while because I will see that everything definitely is made all right again. And if enough of you show and tell us tonight on the telephone that you're going to continue to be loyal to the Moondog show, we will continue with the show. If not, the Moondog program will leave the radio. So please call when you call in your telephone request tonight. Tell us that you're with us because we are with you. The Fantat is back, though, and they delivered once again with letters and phone calls, keeping the Moondog show alive, kicking, and screaming. He would go on to do some other shows, but most would get out of hand, and he was even at one point indicted for starting a riot. Because of his ever-growing popularity now, he got extended airtime on his radio show. He even got some movie deals. He made films with titles such as Rock, 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 Rock Around the Clock, and Don't Knock the Rock. He appeared as himself in many of these movies and even addressed the audience in one saying, Rock and roll is a river of music which has absorbed many streams. Rhythm and blues, jazz, ragtime, cowboy songs, country songs, folk songs, all have contributed greatly to the big beat. With continued success, he eventually gets his own television show, which premiered on May 4th, 1957 on ABC. It was called The Big Beat, and it was the first primetime rock and roll TV show ever. Many people across the nation would tune in, and it would be their first glimpse of these R&B rock and roll acts in action. On the show, bands would sing and dance while the audience would look on and dance along as well. As long as it was segregated, everything was a-okay. During one show, and without thinking much of it, a 16-year-old Frankie Lyman from the group Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers decides to cross color lines and dance with a white girl, all in the spirit of rock and roll and fun. Despite the show's high ratings, the Outrage Network immediately pulled the plug on the show. Freed was actually able to kind of work out a deal and get the show back on the air, but conveniently, at this exact same time, here comes that old scandal known as payola. And there it is. Freed was now the epicenter of controversy and fired from the show in 1960. They no longer wanted Freed on the air. He had too much influence. He was creating havoc with his rock and roll music and concerts, breaking the color barrier during a time where the civil rights movement was gaining traction. 
disrupting the status quo of the authority figures of the day? Freed had to go. And go elsewhere he did, and he ended up bouncing around the country for a bit, doing various other radio shows in other major cities, most notably at K-Day in Los Angeles. After his show in L.A., he moved to Miami for another show, but shortly after this, in 1962, Payola comes creeping around again and has now become an actual illegal punishable offense. Although many other DJs of the time were also included in the Payola scandal, including Dick Clark, they were all allowed to make deals and work their things out and continue on with their careers. However, some people feel that the authority figures had to make an example out of Mr. Alan Moondog Freed. He was the only one actually charged guilty of any crimes and received two charges of commercial bribery for which he received a fine and given a suspended sentence, which is what I mentioned in the beginning of the show. He was never able to work in the industry again. His career was toast. After losing everything, including his home, Alan had to disappear and relocate. He went to Palm Springs, California, where he eventually died from alcoholism January 20th, 1965, at the young age of 43. While Paola ultimately is looked down upon these days, what Alan Free did was courageous and will never be forgotten. Pushing the envelope and sticking to his guns, all in the name of rock and roll. Even though he allegedly had the rights to some of the songs he would promote on air, and even though he had people paying him to play records, and for the record, he said he was never paid to play records. Uh, either way, make up your own mind about Alan Freed. Not only did he create the shitstorm of rock and roll that we all know and love, he also changed the trajectory of music. No, 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 no. Human history for all time. Think about how culturally impactful this music is and how much has changed throughout the time. Just the influence of the music, the influence of Alan Freed. The world would be a completely different place today. That's why this story is important. Without Alan Freed, for all we know, we might not even have rock and roll. And for that, we are forever grateful. Thank you, Mr. Freed. So that concludes another episode of Rock and Roll History. Hope you had fun today. I'm working on the website. I'm just putting the final touches on it, and then I got to get a domain, and then that bad boy will be ready to roll. Uh, so if you think I got anything wrong, you can email me at rnrhistorypod at gmail.com. And keep on rocking and rolling!